0: continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: Welcome to the Giants Talk Podcast. Here's Alex Babovich and Cole Kuyper. I know those guys.
0: All right, the season is winding down, and Giants Talk is here to finish it off with you. Welcome to this week's Giants Talk. I'm Cole Kuiper, along with Alex Pavlovich. Giants Talk comes to you every Monday and Thursday, right here on the NBC Sports Podcast Network, and is available wherever you listen to your podcast. We have a very, very, very—I'm going to throw one more very, very special episode this week because we get to interview former Giant skipper, future Hall of Famer Bruce Bochy. Now, Alex, you know Bruce very well. I haven't gotten a chance to get to know him super well. I'm very new into the sports media scene, as you know. Um, But were you expecting to wrap the season up with such a
2: perfect interview or what? I was wondering why we didn't do it earlier, (laughs) because he would have come on earlier. I just, we never really thought of it. Um, I I like to give, I've asked him so many questions over the years that I just, and I've told him this, I'm like, I, I bug him like twice a year now. And whenever I do, I'm like, this is a lot fewer times than I used to, ask you questions or send you text messages. So um, no, it was a really fun interview and he's gonna be here next weekend because he's going into the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame, which is gonna be October 4th. That will be that okay. Monday, right after the regular season ends. Uh, he, he will be part of that. It's, it's at Oracle Park. They are selling tickets for that if fans wanna go attend. Um, and hopefully there's no game 163 because that would coincide. So.
0: Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. But
2: he was, he's, uh, it'll be fun to, he's going to be there for the final weekend. So it, it should be fun.
0: I'm excited. It was great to talk to Boach. You know, obviously, I think uh, we would have probably spoken to him sooner if the Giants didn't become the best team in baseball all of a sudden. And we had a lot of actual baseball to cover. Yeah. But, you know, we can't complain too much about that. Uh, Giants Talk is brought to you by Wendy's right now. Don't forget, you can get two breakfast sandwiches for just four bucks at your local Wendy's. Go check it out. It's a whale of a deal. Let's talk a little teensy bit of Giants base before we toss to Boach. Um, Giants just swept at Coors. First time ever. They've had two Coors sweeps in one year, right? Like this is, yeah, you this just is, a few weeks ago were, were saying, you know, don't count your chickens before they hatch. Giants don't play great at Coors. All of a sudden this team just loves to play there.
2: Well, Bruce Boachy himself said he's never felt safe at Coors. Um, but it <laughs> there's one team that swept the Rockies at Coors this year one and I I still stand by it they're really good at home and there's one team that's gone in there and now swept them twice so it is just part of what we've seen this season they beat everybody they're at 102 wins right now and counting they you know Brandon Crawford said after 100 like let's run off eight more and you kind of went yeah they could um if you know if they get there it's a it's a a franchise record it ties like a modern national league record so it's just what they do and and yet they come home and and uh they can't lose on tuesday night because they're it, it's such a tight spot so um yeah but a, a really another really good series and I, I thought you know the bullpen was just incredible and, and just kept those games close and especially sunday there were some guys who weren't available tyler rogers not available tony watson not available um dom leone was not and, and you just you know throw throw a Castro and Duvall out there and you're fine. So it's what they've done all year. Guys always fill the gaps and and uh, it's put them in a really good spot here with with six home games to go.
0: Well, it does feel like a really good spot. We couldn't really ask for anything much more than this. But what I would wish for is for people not to hit Brandon Belt in sensitive places with pitches. Um, he caught that uh, ball directly to the thumb. It didn't even bounce in a direction. Hit the thumb, dropped straight down onto home plate. Looked like it hurt. Do we have any updates on that? And how panicked should I be right now, Alex?
2: Uh, relatively I don't know. Oh, honestly, great, a one great. to ten, like a four or five. It's because he's he's been their best player for two months. Mm-hmm. Like it's there's no doubt. He has 18 home runs in the second half. Like he is legitimately, if you look at the advanced numbers, he is there with Bryce Harper and, and Juan Soto over the last month and a month plus. So I, I think it's concerning. And, and the the thing that's concerning is that it's a hand. And you never know that, like Brandon Crawford said this after the game, there are so many bones in there. Um, and this has happened Belt before. So you, you never know exactly what comes of it when you have all these tests. The first one was inconclusive. He did tell Crawford that he was pretty optimistic. I I think it's one of those where you, you can be optimistic, but you have to go in and, and see – Um, what the x-ray says and I'm sure they had that as soon as they got back Sunday night a a fair number of the people who listen to this we probably will have a result by then but yeah here on on Sunday night when when we're waiting for the Giants to give word it's concerning because he's been their best player and and he really has taken that offense to another level the last month or so And, and he is a big part of why they're basically scoring six runs every single game and a big part of why they swept this weekend. I think we had already like mentally
0: given him 30 home runs this year. You know, I, I made that prediction early on. John's going to have a 30 run, home run hitter. And even if he's out for well, a few minutes now, that Crawford might be out or, the window. Yeah.
2: You, I say, yeah, you I say Crawford mention, or Yaz, yes,
0: but, but I did say someone.
2: Someone. Yeah. He's, it would be the, and I, you know, obviously there's a million reasons why you hope nothing bad happens here and why he gets good news. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly just because I think this is the most fun he's had in, in a long time and Oh yeah. You don't want the captain to go down, but it would just be like the worst. he's had such bad luck in his career. And, and for something to happen, even if it just knocks him out for four or five games um, for something to happen when he's right on the verge of 30, like they haven't had a first baseman hit 30 since Will Clark. So, yeah. and, and belt's about to do it. And I, you know, you hope he's ready to go Tuesday or Wednesday, but it might, even if he gets good news, it might be, you know, the rest of this week and, and maybe they get good news as a team and they clinch and, and, uh, they feel like they can rest him un- until the playoffs. But, yeah, he's right on the verge of 30. It would be a real bummer to end at 29 because you got hit once again, which has been kind of the story of his-, of his career at times. I mean, he almost had one
0: on Sunday. He was just a few feet short, and, man, could have wrapped it up right there and rested the rest of the year. But, yeah, bummer about belt. For those of you who are listening, I'm glad you know right now as you're listening what's happened because we're <laughs> stressing out here on Sunday night. Uh, Giants' magic number is at five, though right around the corner six games to go so basically if the giants win out they're in the playoffs um it's it's looking good but i can't help but think back to thursday thursday is in our distant rearview mirror at this point um but man if that game had gone a little different and the dodgers game had got a little different we're looking at a magic number of what three
2: yeah the flip side of that is i was sitting there on saturday night thinking like it's 3-0 on Charlie Blackman. You think he's going to walk or reach base somehow And T.J. Crone comes up. And, you know, we're sitting in the press box going like, this is how it happens in Denver. You, you walk a guy with the bases loaded and you give up a grand slam. Mm-hmm.
1: And
2: there you go. So, I, I, yeah, you could play the game on Thursday. I would play the same game on, on Sunday. Um, you could say this – or on Saturday. And, and uh, Sunday was close, too. So, I think they'll take 5-1 and one on the road trip.
0: Yeah, fair. You can't you can't beat that. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited. We're gonna have some real magic this week. Uh, it's a big, exciting week for Giants fans. Um, and as we've said over and over, no matter what happens, Giants are in the playoffs. This is this is exciting stuff.
2: They'll feel a lot better if they're not worried on on Saturday or Sunday. But it is exciting. We get City Connects on Tuesday, and then you know, trying to count down the magic number and Bruce Bochy. So it's a fun week. It's a fun week. All right, let's let's talk to Boch. Let's hear hear what he has to say about this team. Um, and about what the whole future might hold. All right, it is always a pleasure for me. I spent 10 years of my life basically asking Bruce Bochy questions, so always fun to, to get him back. Um, you are coming back to the Bay Area because you're going in the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame on Monday, October 4th at Oracle Park, which is a precursor, I think, to the actual Hall of Fame. I, I promise I'll make the trip out to Cooperstown for that one, but. Boach, it's good to see you, and I think the first question most fans probably have, because we haven't seen you a whole lot the last couple of years, is what's your day-to-day? I know you're a grandfather. I know you moved out to be closer to your grandkids. What's the
1: day-to-day life for Bruce Boche now that he's not a manager? Well, you know what? I'm still staying uh, somewhat busy in baseball, you know, I'm not doing uh, some work with the Giants, still working... uh, Uh, You know, with them, I go to the minor league affiliates. Uh, I've been to San Jose, Sacramento, uh, uh, Richmond. I did not make it to Eugene. I I went to spring training. So on the baseball side, I've been staying busy watching games. Uh, uh, I was supposed to go to France and uh, help them in a a European baseball championship. But, you know, the the travel uh, advisory, we had them at level four, which is the highest uh, rated as far as being dangerous. So, so I did back out of that, but uh, uh, watching games and then uh, spending time with the family. Now, I, I still uh, go back and forth to California. I have a son that uh, moved out here. He brought a, co- a couple of grandkids, and uh, so Mama, she was not going to be too far from them. So, so we got a little place here to hang around.
2: So you, you're in Nashville. I'm in Denver, which means I, I watched a Coors Field game last night, and it's 7-2, to and the Giants – all of a sudden are, are under pressure and I started thinking about this interview today and you were the perfect person to ask because a couple of Giants people actually asked me this yesterday, is there a lead that is ever safe at Coors Field? Did you ever feel safe there?
1: No, I, I'll be honest. I, I really did uh, because it can happen so fast. Uh, trust me, I saw it too many times. Uh, real <laughs> quick, uh, I'll try to shorten the story up, but uh, I, I Bob Tewksbury uh, shut the Uh, The Rockies out for six innings, and we had uh, about an hour and 10-minute rain delay. And his pitch count was great, but uh, with that rain delay, I had to take him out I put in Willie Blair, who actually was throwing the ball well. Um, But before he got out of that inning and a couple other pitchers, we were down seven to six, and it just happens that fast. And uh, I'll say it's probably a little bit safer now, you know, with what they're doing with the baseball, keep it – I'm keeping involved in Humidor, but the lineup too, man. They had those Bay Street bombers and the yeah. you know, offense uh, that they threw at you for years, and they're probably a little bit more balanced now. But back then, man, they they uh, it was relentless, uh, you know, with each guy in that lineup. So it's uh, probably a little safer now.
0: But you mentioned being involved with the Giants minor league teams. Who stands out to you right now in the Giants minor league system as you watch those games?
1: Um, you know, I went to San Jose and they had, uh, quite a few prospects, uh, prospects there, uh, Mato's, uh, who you've heard about, Lu- Luciano, yeah. those guys, uh, Auerbach, he, I tell you what, he is a grinder. He's a nice little player, can catch, play, uh, anywhere. He's gone up to, uh, Eugene and, and played well. Uh, uh, Murphy was throwing the ball work, uh, well there, Barroa, uh, and I, I don't want to, uh, leave, uh, uh, anybody out there's a third baseman that got hurt and his numbers aren't impressive but I saw him in screen training Casey Schmidt uh, he's our number two pick and uh, still I just love this guy he's a good athlete plays third base has power good fielder good arm probably could, could get on the mound uh, um, but that's overall so most guys that you know uh, and so w- we do have some really uh, I think nice pros- prospects on the way and uh, course and I did go Sacramento and those guys have all been up to help the big club as you well know that's that's yeah. what's incredible about what's happened with uh, uh the Giants this year is uh, how deep their roster is uh, guys get hurt or go down whatever and next guy coming up he he plays just as so well or if not uh you know even adding them, uh, a little bit so it's been impressive uh what Farhan and Scott have done to uh just uh make this roster so much better
2: you mentioned one guy who's i think my favorite prospect is matos just because i love watching him swing and, and he gets kind of some pablo comparisons because he just squares everything up it, it seems like he just has such a good feel for the barrel what, what did you think of him specifically um he's 19 years old i think he led that league in hitting
1: yeah um you know what he's uh, he's really aggressive uh uh, you know, I can see why you know, some people would compare him to Pablo, but he's not quite that that aggressive. Uh, uh, he can expand his own, but he's, uh, you know, they call it bat-to-ball skills, but uh, contact skills uh, are there. He doesn't strike out a lot. That's the difference between when you watch him and Luciano, who's probably a little bit more patient uh, at the plate. But... Uh, uh, Mato's uh, incredible bat speed. I mean, it's, it gets through the zone quick. And uh, and again, his ability, as you mentioned, to get, you know, the good part of bat, the barrel on the ball uh, consistently, uh, even though he does expand. He can hit a ball a little up or a little down or a little bit off the plate. So, and that's only going to get better. You know, it's just reps, reps, reps. And uh, I'm sure those guys are dragging a little bit because they, they didn't play last year. Then you go through a long season. So I'm sure that uh, has hit these guys uh, all the way to the end. But congrats to those guys in San Jose on uh, winning that championship. And, uh, of course, Eugene. Well, day first, uh, the big
0: season for San Jose, big season for San Francisco, obviously. We're talking to you Saturday morning. The Giants reached 100 wins last night. And all I can think about is during those three World Series years when you were in the dugout, at what point in the season did you look at the team look at where you guys were and think, yeah, it it feels like we have a real shot at this.
1: Well, I probably, you know, after the first year, uh, you know, that thought, it seemed like it was always there. You know, it's one of those things, done it and and you think you can do it again. We still Mm -hmm. had our core guys. It wasn't like, uh, you know, we, you know, traded guys. um, And so um, I really felt that in '11. And even though Buster went down, I mean, we hung in there, and mm-hmm. uh, I think the you know the injuries in the outfield, our offense left us uh, you know going into August. But uh, 2010, uh, you know, the mantra was because we were six or seven back in San Diego, who was having a good year. We just said, you know, let's just keep grinding. They'll they'll trip, they'll stumble, and uh, we didn't have a great August, and uh, but they uh, had a, their August was a little bit worse, and we were. We were uh, gradually catching ground. And, uh, and then, yeah, probably, you know, where I really felt that this, that, that team had a uh, chance to do something special was when we came back against the Braves uh, in game three. Because I'll be honest, I felt horrible. Uh, uh, Sanchi was throwing a beautiful game. I took him out, brought in Romo. They countered with Hensky, hit the home run. They took the lead. But uh, <laughs> off of Kimbrough, we came back and won that game. And uh, that's when I really felt, you know what, there's something special about this team. And uh, we got through Atlanta and, and, of course, you know, went on to beat Texas in the World Series. Have you ever experienced, you've seen it all as a manager, have
2: you ever seen anything like this race where the Giants have been the first team to 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 wins and they have no breathing room. They have the Dodgers behind them every single day for the last two months that seems like every single time they win the Dodgers win every time they lose, the Dodgers lose. Did you ever experience this as a manager?
1: Uh, not really, to be honest i mean with especially with you know the territory they're at, and uh, you know I think everybody said, well, the Dodgers are going to win hundred games, but you know you know we've been uh, the surprise team, and uh, I'm not surprised that that we're doing well and contending, but you know to do this well, I think that's fair to say and. Uh, uh, so, you know, it's really amazing how consistent uh, and, and balanced the season has been for the Giants. And uh, it's it's credit to that staff and uh, those guys. There's something, you know, special going on there. And uh, they don't get down after tough losses. Uh, and they, they just keep going. And so, yeah, you know, the closest thing that would remind me of it was we go back, to what, 93, was it, when the Giants and the Braves were, <laughs> you know, they were uh, – uh, going at it, uh, both winning over 100 games, and you know, Giants lost out by a game. I was actually coaching third base for the Padres. And, uh, we traded Fred McGriff uh, to the Braves, and, uh, and Dusty's <laughs> mentioned that more than once about the Braves out. Trust me. So, you know, but the, the biggest disappointment. Think about it. Normally, we would be playing the Dodgers at the end of this month, and that's not yeah. happening. I mean, think how much interest that would create, uh, not just in the Bay Area but in baseball.
2: I agree. You know, I, I was thinking of you again last night as I watched both Brandon's hit home runs and Crawford hits his 22nd, Belt hits his 27th. I know there's nothing more you love in the world than a three-run home run, and this team has 234 of them right now. What, what has just been your impression watching, and especially watching these guys that, you know, you've known since they were kids, and, and I, I know that you always wanted to see this kind of season out of Belt. What have you thought just watching them tap into that power this season?
1: Yeah, well, they've always shown it. Uh, you know, Belts had to deal with a lot of injuries. To be fair to him with the concussions and different injuries, and uh, well, he's even missing time this year. But uh, you know, he's always had that ability to carry a club. And, uh, yeah, and you know, Crawford. Uh, I think you look at him; it's probably um, even more impressive. Uh, not not that he he wasn't a big contributor to our offense. He's always been very clutch, but where his numbers are at now, what he's doing, and the adjustment that he's made. And you have to credit these hitting guys with the job that they have done uh, with these guys. Uh, you know, Gabe's doing a great job keeping them rested, uh, the staff. Uh, uh, but, you know, just little adjustments and uh, getting the ball in the air more. and I know Brandon uh, Crawford's talked about it. So, you know, and it just it's getting, uh, you know what? Uh, it's like they're feeding off each other these veterans, uh, you know, they're leading the way, and that's what they should be doing. They're doing doing their job right now. And uh, then you throw in some kids in there. Wait, I love, I mean, wait, what he's been doing, not to get upset. But, I mean, these, these guys are dangerous. I mean, one through eight, it's really uh, amazing. They get down and uh, you know, you know, they're going to come back. It's, You know, they're outclassing everybody, to be honest. Trust me, I'm watching the games, and uh, that's how good they are.
2: Yeah, Wade is, uh, I I know you just love that aggressive pull swing and and something you you always wanted to see guys just, I've heard you say a thousand times, get the bat head out. So uh, when you watch Wade Jr., is that just kind of your prototypical,
1: be aggressive, get the bat head out, and and hit for power? I love his swing. Oh, yeah, that's, to me, if I'm a young hitter, I would watch him. you know, he's even choking up on the bat. He's on the plate, and uh, you know he's looking for a pitch, and uh, he's looking to do something uh, with it. I mean, do some damage. And uh, uh, but you know, he's he's looking uh, you know the to pull it, get in the air. But he goes the other way too. But uh, you know, that would that would that's an ideal hitter for me. And uh, ain't no cookie cutter guys, but. If he has that ability that Wade has, uh, then, you know, that's the kind of hitter you want him to be. And, you know, I've heard a little bit of his story. He went back to college and his coach changes uh, swing a little bit. And, of course, what the guys there have done. Uh, but uh, that's why they're so dangerous, you know. And they're, they're, uh, they're hunting a pitch. And if it's not their pitch, they take it. Uh, just, a, again, a, it's been a fun offense to watch.
0: Coached a lot of really good dudes here in San Francisco, from Belt, Crawford, you know, Lopez. Who do you keep in touch with the most these days uh, that you manage?
1: Oh, the most. Uh, yeah, well, you know what? I, I run into the Pat Burrow a lot. You know, I, <laughs> I keep in touch with him. He's uh, working our system, and we uh, Ryan Vogel song. Uh, you know, I saw him in Richmond, and uh, you know, we keep in touch. Uh, uh, you know, I try to send texts to, you know, some guys once in a while, uh, like Buster, you know, when they, uh, clenched, uh, things like that. But, uh, I've been trying to stay out of the way, to be honest. Of course, with this COVID thing that, you know, it's hard, it's, you know, you, you shouldn't be around. And, uh, mm-hmm. so that, uh that's changed, uh, uh, things too. But, uh, but you know, what? I, uh, I love hearing from guys, uh, you know, I'll get a text now and then, but, uh, Probably the guys on the field are the ones I talk to more than anybody. Uh, Dave Rigetti, I should mention. Uh, Tim Flannery, who's uh, going to be up uh, uh, join me at this uh, event we're having. Uh, so, you know, keep in touch with him.
2: This is going to be the first time for Gabe Kapoor as, as a manager in the postseason. Obviously, you've had more success there than anybody recently. As a first-timer, what, what advice, if he asked you for advice to get through October, what would you tell him?
1: I tell them, really, uh, you pretty much uh, keep doing what, what you've been doing as far as your preparation. Now, now, now I'm going to add with that, uh, you, you know, you, you don't always do things in the postseason the same, same way you do things in the uh, regular season. I mean, you may use a starter in the bullpen, things like that. I mean, the margin of error is just not there. But, you uh, know, those guys, he's, he and his staff have had those guys prepared. Uh who they're facing uh, defensively, things like that. So, uh, and, uh, he'll get a lot of help. You know, he's got a large staff. He's got the scouts out there now advancing, uh, things like that. So it's, it's going to be, uh, him, uh, you know, just deciphering all the information because when you get to the postseason, you're getting reports from everybody. Uh, trust me. And it's great to have all that information, but, you know, you gotta, you still got to stay with, uh, You know what? What you've been doing, I think, and and your gut feeling on the pitching changes, things like that.
2: You were famous for playing the matchups. I think he does that every single opportunity he can get. Do you? Do you watch some of these games and kind of manage along with him and think like this is the matchup I would go for, or this is what what I would have tried to do? And um, I I like that he got this matchup or or got this reliever into the game.
1: I you know what I do uh, all the games you know uh, that I watch. You know that's kind of how you. I think when you do it for 25 years, that's how you watch a game as a manager, you know, versus maybe how a fan might watch it. But uh, uh, but what's impressive is the matchups that uh, they can get. I mean, you're bringing a Flores or Solano or you know, I mean a Slater, for example, in San Diego. I mean these are, are these are are just tremendous matchups that uh, the dream matchups for a manager, that, you know, the opposing team really can't do anything about. You're going to leave a right in there to face Wade, or you're going to try testing a guy coming come off the bench. And uh, so he's got some great weapons uh, uh, to get the matchups that he wants, and he uses them well. He's very aggressive uh, uh, early in the game. And, you know, that's, that's to me, a, a pretty good way to go because, you know, you rather rather those guys face somebody earlier in the game and always have to face that closer or eighth inning guy where, that's even a tougher lineup and have a better chance of doing some damage. So, uh, uh, but you gotta love the matchups. And of course it's changed a little bit with your pitcher having to face a minimum of three hitters. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's, you know, they, they've done a great job. It's been fun to watch those matchups.
2: You obviously had the core four and this veteran bullpen. It, it's really interesting for them right now. Cause the two guys who are throwing the best are Camilo Duval and curving Castro who are kids. They're 24 and, 22 years old, and I don't know that you had a whole lot of, of guys like that. I mean, you you had a Strickland come up as a rookie and pitch his way onto the roster. But what would be your feeling about putting a kid like that into the postseason, and and whether do you trust what you see in the regular season? I guess it's such a different stage in October, but both these guys look like they can handle it.
1: Yeah, I think you you know you get all the information you can, even from from Sacramento, and I was there and watched those guys. I mean, when. They, you know, you have arms like that, uh, well, you know, they just have to throw strikes. That's going to be the question mark, and they look very comfortable up there. Uh, Castro, I mean, Coors Field's not bothering him at all. You know, two innings of work he had last night, Coors Doval, power uh, uh, fastball and slider. And, uh, you know, I, they're going to be fine. Again, you know, getting back what we were talking about, how deep this roster is, uh you know, you lose McGee, and you know you want to rest some guys. You got Castro and Duval to come up to help eat up some innings for you, and and big innings. Uh, uh, so you know they they have some uh, difficult choices to make. You know, I think when they set this roster for the playoffs, because you know they got some really really good players that have done a lot to help them get to where they're at.
0: Coach, you obviously were a catcher in your baseball career. So many major league catchers have gone on to be fabulous managers from you, Joe Madden, Joe Torrey, A.J. Hinch. What do you think is, about that position leads to, to have so much success in the dugout after the playing career is over? Is it getting to know all aspects of the game, working with the pitchers, working with the batters, and being on the field, or what?
1: Well, I, I think all of above what you just mentioned. Uh, you know, for a catcher, uh, going to manage It's probably an easier transition than any other player. That doesn't mean that, you know, a pitcher or outfielder is not going to be a good manager, uh, uh, but it's just easier because you have to uh, know all all the different aspects of the game. You're the one that's seeing the game. You're the manager on the field. uh, So, you know, you're seeing the game the way a manager would. You have to get the signs from the manager. you got to deal with 11, 12, 13 different personalities uh, uh, as far as the pitching staff, and hopefully you get an understanding of pitching and the different personalities that you've got to deal with, uh, know all the plays and things like that. So, you know, that's why I say the transition is probably a little bit easier. And, uh, and, you know, we're probably not as smart either. Uh, I think the other guys can find something else to do, but we we stay in baseball. So the question is
0: then, could you see Buster Poe's managing a team someday?
1: Oh, I think he'd do a great job. I, I don't know if, uh, if, you know, if that's going to be the route that he goes. But if he wanted to, uh, he has such a great feel for the game. I, I still go back to, you know, when he took over in 2010. And uh, it's really incredible, his age and uh, how mature he was. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if Buster would do it, to be honest. I don't know. But, the, you know, if that's what he chose to do, he'd be great.
2: I'm going to finish with this and I'm absolutely not going to ask you if you're going to manage again. Instead, I'm going to ask you, are you just prepared for an off season of Bruce Bochy rumors? Because I was just in San Diego and I heard your name about 20 times. So you're just going to have to wake up every day and see your name in the headlines.
1: Yeah, you know what, Alex, I was a little uncomfortable with all that. and uh, That's all speculation and not talk to anybody. It's probably a little bit of my fault because I get asked a question uh, a lot. And, uh, <laughs> and you know I don't know what to say I just say y- you don't ruin anything out but I, I'm not pursuing anything I have enjoyed what I've been doing and uh, and I couldn't even go to the game because I said well that's not going to uh, uh, be comfortable for me and I certainly you know don't want to have to answer questions there about uh, managing you know because San Diego was having a tough time and uh, so uh, I stayed away to uh, for that reason so um, but you know, I like you, you don't know. I and, mean, uh, so I'm sure I'm gonna have to keep answering that question. And, uh, but right now I, I'm working for the Giants. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah I mean, you, you look at La Russa, uh, geez, he, what did he take off eight, nine years? And, uh, you know, he's back on on the field. So, uh, we'll see.
2: Well, you look very happy. I know you're playing lots of golf, hopefully fishing and hunting, and being a grandfather, um, we look forward to seeing you next week and, and it'll be fun. Like I said, I think you're probably three years away from Cooperstown, so this is a good, a good practice speech
1: for you. Yeah, I don't think it's a speech. i just got to answer some questions, so that's kind of nice. I, I, I don't have to wire something up. But I just hope there's softball questions from Murph. But uh, Anyway, I appreciate it, man. It's good to see you all. Uh, best of you guys, and um, I'll see you soon.